mud. He worked for ten minutes, digging a wide trench until the shovel clanged against something metallic. Milton assessed the dimensions of the object and then worked around it, quickly excavating enough so that he could stand the shovel in the ground and haul the object out of the ground with his hands. It was a metal locker, five feet long by a foot wide, secured with sturdy steel clasps. A large padlock held the lid closed. Milton took a key from his pocket and undid the lock, unthreading it from the clasp and opening the lid. The first thing he saw was the M16 assault rifle, but he didn't need that. There was a wide assortment of weaponry, a long gun, machine pistols, semi-automatics. There were boxes of ammunition in several different calibres, night vision goggles, scopes for the sniper systems, surveillance and anti-surveillance gear, and encrypted sat phones and more than a million dollars in banknotes of various denominations sealed inside a series of waterproof polythene bags. Milton didn't need anything extravagant. He ignored the heavy artillery and selected a Sig Sauer P226, a discreet shoulder holster and a spare magazine. He removed his leather jacket, slipped the holster over his shoulder and tightened it, secured the SIG in the holster and put the spare magazine in his inside pocket. Next, he took out a hideaway .25 NAA Guardian with a holster that could be Velcro strapped around the ankle. He stood, replaced his jacket, closed the lid, reattached the padlock and hauled the locker back into the ditch. He took up the shovel and started to spread the displaced earth over it. The rain fell. Cascades, torrents, a deluge. The water poured from roofs and ran in full spate along gutters and into already overflowing drains. It gushed out of drain pipes, slicked the roads with wide pools of standing water and saturated beds of hibiscus, banana and palm trees. It swamped hydrangeas, falling heavier and heavier until it surely couldn't fall any harder. And yet it did. John Milton slid the mud-slicked rental against the curb. He killed the engine and listened to the thrum of the wind, faster and stronger minute upon minute. A flowerpot was picked up and tossed off the second-floor balcony of the apartment block opposite him, bursting into fragments that scattered across the flooded road. The wooden panels of the fence that demarked the border between the apartment block rattled and clattered against their posts, nails slowly prying loose, ready to fly. And then, as if at the flick of a switch, the rain stopped. He opened the car door, stepped outside and cast an assessing glance up at the sky. The storm was churning its way across the Gulf of Mexico. They said the leading edge would be here in another couple of hours. The air felt damp and humid, and it smelled full of brine and sodden vegetation, as if the ocean had been dragged closer to the limit of the city. It was a Saturday evening, and streets that would normally have been busy, thronged with life, were empty. The indigo dome of the twilight was torn through with veins of yellow and blood red. It was as though the sun had not yet left, that it was planning a spectacular sunset to cow the anger of the storm.
Milton paused there for a moment, staring to the south, to the deeper darkness that was gathering over the gulf, and felt the electricity crackling through the air like a premonition. The storm wasn't done. It hadn't started, not yet. This was merely a drawing of breath. He had taken a room in the Intercontinental. He stopped in the reception area. The clerk was standing behind the desk. He was watching a TV tuned to the local news. A radar image of the hurricane was playing as the anchor told people that they needed to get away from the coast. The storm looked like a huge, vicious pinwheel. Any messages? The man looked up at him and saw the mud on his clothes. I know, Milton said, shaking his head. I slipped. I'm going to go and get changed. Any messages?